Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Eurowatch. Money FM 89.3. Elliot Danka and Timothy Go with you. Time to take a look at some headlines from the European region. Russia accusing Ukraine of downing a military plane near the Ukrainian border yesterday. Well, the Kremlin said 74 people on board were killed. That includes dozens of Ukrainian service members being transported for a prisoner swap. It gets interesting. Yeah, so Ukraine's military compound said it regarded Russian military aircraft approaching Belogorod as legitimate targets but stopped short of acknowledging that it fired at the plane. So quite a lot of questions to ask here. On the line with us is Jeremy Anestrovic, who is Professor of Geopolitics, Essex Business School, Asia Pacific. Professor, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Elliot. I'm back from France. Very nice to be here. <laughs> nice and warm, right? Yes, now warm and rainy. Uh. (laughs) All right, let's talk about this big story coming out of Europe overnight. The downed Russian plane, it was carrying some Ukrainian servicemen for that prisoner swap. So a lot of questions here and uh, nobody seemed to be saying anything in particular. In fact, we have uh, people talking. So the Russian side is accusing the Ukrainians to bring it down and to kill all the people who are in the plane, while the Ukrainian side doesn't acknowledge this. So previously, uh, that is few hours back, before the Russians have announced that there were some prisoners on the plane, in some Ukrainian media, they were uh, talking about the victory, about success by bringing down a Russian plane. Mm-hmm. But immediately after the Russians announced the prisoners, they stopped claiming it. So let's see what happens. Yeah, we've also got uh, Russian President uh, Vladimir Putin hosting a chance general leader in Russia this week. What do we know about this? Could we see more developments? So I think that it is very important that the African leaders are going to Russia because especially in this part of the world, that is the northern part of Africa, Russia is expecting or willing to replace France and the other countries. So by uh, saying that... uh, On the Russian territory, there is uh, some kind of issues with the planes. This could be damaging for the Russian, let's say, prestige in Africa. So I'm sure that they will try to bring all the burden on the Ukrainian side. Professor, 700 days now of this Russian-Ukrainian war. Mm. Where are we going? Are we going anywhere on this one? I think so. If we follow what is happening in the Western countries, that is that there is a fatigue about the help going to Ukraine and that maybe we won't have enough means, military means, but also financial means Mm -hmm. in order to support the war. In that case, uh, probably in this year, we will reach a stalemate. And in that case, there must be a peace agreement between the two sides. And unfortunately, Ukraine is going to lose some territories. If there is a possibility to finance, if there is a possibility to support military, in that case, it's another story. But I don't see it uh, right now. Professor, you talk about some kind of a peace deal, right? It's funny because at one point China was trying to play peacemaker, yet uh, looking at the news cycle, the Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky seemed to be snubbed by China at Davos. They did have talks a couple of months ago, though. 
Right, so this is what uh, the media are reporting about what happened in Davos and in Bern, because the Ukrainian side was very keen in order to talk uh, personally face-to-face, because so far it was only a telephone contact between the President Zelensky and President Xi Jinping. Mm. And since the Prime Minister Li Xiang is present in uh, Switzerland, he was hoping uh, to meet him, but unfortunately it did not happen. So I'm, I'm... on the verge to say that uh, China snubbed Zelensky, so I don't see that in the future the Chinese peace plan, which has been proposed a long mm-hmm, time yeah. ago, will uh, make the lines. All right, moving on now, you just uh, returned from France, <laughs> Professor <laughs> and <Yes>. Emmanuel Macron. <laughs> Invited as well, guest of honor, the chief guest at India's Republic Day celebrations uh, on Friday it will be a big event, red carpet welcomed by uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi himself. However, this is after the U.S. President Joe Biden turned down this invitation. Do we need to read in between the lines? So I think that uh, the initial plan by India was to invite uh, all the Quad members that is the Australian, the Japanese, and the American president to come there. But since uh, the American president did not come, the other two, that is the prime minister from Japan and the prime minister in Australia, they also declined to come. Mm-hmm. So now we have friends, but Prime Minister Modi was also the guest of honor during the uh, French National Day Parade. Yeah. So maybe this is like a, a return for that. And on the other side, France is a very good partner for uh, India because it is the second uh, biggest arms vendor to India. So maybe there is a reason why France is the guest of honor. Okay, so that could be a potential lucrative trade deal. Mm. If I were to expand it out a little bit more, Professor, what about uh, the fact that India and the EU have restarted negotiations for the long pending trade and investment agreement in 2022? We're talking about uh, uh, pretty ambitious free trade agreement. It was suspended back in 2013. And maybe Macron is a middleman to help make things move forward. So definitely, I think that um, France is among the countries which has uh, regularly proposed and favored India, while the other countries were not so keen to do it. Uh, we all have in mind uh, the spot existing between uh, India and Canada. Mm-hmm. So some countries are also looking at this. Uh, we also have problems concerning uh, Modi's policy concerning the minorities and especially the Muslim population that we have in India. Uh, but France is always realistic in this approach and saying, no, no, we have to consider India is a big country. It is a significant uh, player on the world uh, uh, chessboard. So in that case, we have to bring uh, India on our side. Okay, so moving forward, how do you see this strategic relationship between India and France unfolding in the next uh, couple of years? So India is a big country. France is much smaller. But India needs something which is coming from India, which is uh, arms mainly. So all the weapons going there, and especially the aircrafts, because the aircrafts, which is the Rafale that we have today, Mm -hmm. it used to be a mirage in the past. And uh, India is, um, let's say, having some neighbors uh, that may be uh, troublemaking neighbors. So in that case, they need some uh, very efficient weapons. They realize that the French side is offering something on the market. So they say, okay, let's go there. 
Okay. Professor, let's uh, move on to talk about Sweden. Their bid to join NATO held up for almost two years. Clearly, it's the next to last hurdle. Uh, Turkey's parliament gave its go-ahead to let the Nordic country into the alliance. Hungary is now the only member that hasn't given Sweden the green light. Okay. The Prime Minister of Hungary, I believe, Viktor Orban, will he follow Turkey's lead? What, what are the obstacles here? So it was a very strange situation because, at least in the case of Turkey, there was a reason because we have all these uh, people originating from Turkey who found refuge in Sweden, and uh, Turkey is calling them terrorists, etc. So, okay, from the Turkish side, maybe there is a reason to block, but from the Hungarian side, there is no reason to block at mm. all. So I think that the Prime Minister Orban is just using this as a case in order to push some agenda, and this agenda can be negotiation. So the negotiation is that um, the European Union is blocking a certain number of uh, subventions uh, to Hungary. So obviously NATO and the European Union is not the same thing. On one side we have military alliance, on the other side we have a political union, but we have the same countries <laughs> in both sides. <laughs> so I do believe that he is using this as a pound in mm. his game mm. in order to get the subvention back. Reason to drag his feet in that sense. I wondered what will it take for them to, to agree to this? Also, there is no, I would say, rational explanation for this except <laughs> that he is using uh, that he is using this as a tool or as a weapon in order to uh, negotiate better deals and especially to get back the subventions. Mm. Professor, what about what the Swedes are, are saying? Are they happy to be joining NATO? Other NATO allies? Are they saying anything about the current development? Yeah, so this is a very good uh, question because uh, Sweden used to be proud of being a neutral country. Yeah. Uh, they didn't want to join any alliance, etc., etc. But they have been pushed in order to join the alliance because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So they are saying, oh, okay, we have to go there together with Finland. I see. And uh, they are saying that we cannot be neutral anymore. So this is a very big and very important development for Sweden. So I see this as um, something that has been imposed to them rather than a clear strategy set mm. a, long, a long time ago, etc. Yeah. No, I think that it was only something which was ex extremely due to the invasion of Ukraine. Question to you, Professor, and, and this is, yeah. I'm asking you as an academic, as, as, as someone who, who teaches all of this, do you see this perhaps as a focal point, a potential focal point in history that really defines, I mean, you, you talked about how Sweden has decided or being pushed that, okay, we can't be neutral anymore. It, this will define the textbooks in future, perhaps. Yeah, so the fact is that uh, in many cases, when we have uh, big powers intervening, and Russia is a big power, in that case, you cannot be neutral anymore. Let's transpose it to, to Asia. If, for instance, there is uh, some escalation between the United States and China, they will also put... Uh, pressure on all countries to choose. Mm. And in that case, it will be very difficult for the countries to say, no, 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 we are neutral. We don't want to be engaged in this. All right. We've been speaking with Jeremy Nestorovic, who is Professor of Geopolitics, Essex Business School, Asia Pacific. Professor, thank you for your time. Take and have a great Thursday evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. And have a nice day. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. 
That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Audio at the App Store and Google Play.